You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We knew it would come down to the wire. We knew it would be exciting. And the NBA lived up to all of the hype. We are finally there. We have play in weekend. Play in week, I should say. After a crazy week, it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Sarah, all eyes were going to be on seeding and what it means for the NBA play-in. The matchups are set now. We know what we're going to get in the East. Nobody seems to be talking about this for some reason. <laughs> we're getting the Celtics and the Wizards. That's our 7-8 matchup Still tomorrow. kind of fascinating, though. I know no one's talking about it, but based solely on where the Wizards were at one point in the season, just a, a an absolute joke of a squad to work their way back in and then be against a Celtics team that has all this talent and can't figure it out. There's some intrigue there. You're not wrong about that, by the way. And the Celtics, I think, are going to have some serious questions to answer if they don't mm-hmm. even get their way out of this mm-hmm. play-in situation. This is uh, We've sort of taken for granted the fact that the, it's a dumpster fire in Boston at this point, which makes no sense given the talent and given the coaching yes. and given the yep. front office. So you're a 1,000% right. The other matchup in that is uh, maybe a little lost in all of this. The Pacers and the Hornets, two teams that aren't particularly good this year, but they'll have a chance to play in. And, you know, <laughs> if you're a young team like Charlotte, you're just trying to get a little bit of legs and trying to get your way into the playoffs and maybe get some experience. But remember, for anybody that doesn't know, the winner of the 7-8 matchup is automatically in. The loser of the 7-8 matchup still can get in. They will face the winner of the 9-10 matchup. So if you're in that Charlotte-Indiana game, you'd actually have to win two straight against uh, in this play-in situation to get into the playoffs there. I mean, I will say, like, haven't we for years been saying, I just wish more teams from that robust East could make it in? Haven't we all <laughs> been saying, I just feel like deep down in the East, there are some teams that are really getting boned here by only having eight. I, I, perhaps I'm misremembering. Uh, yeah, I think that it, the funny thing to me is that we we just absolutely, as a collective media, yell and scream anytime there's a chance a team with a losing record will make it into the playoffs in the NFL. The Hornets are 33-39. and 39, right. but they're Yeah, this the is the NBA, Fitz. Everybody's got a chance. Literally, <laughs> almost every team. Sh- if your team isn't in the playoffs, you're real bad. Yeah, you're not wrong about that also, Sarah. But the reason that everybody's hyped about the play-in tournament is because... Of the West, that's the side that seems to have everybody screaming. I can't. I'm so excited. I'm hitting my mic stand. That's how excited I am about the West play. It, and we all know that this comes down to uh, being real. This comes down to two people, uh, two teams, I should say, Golden State and the Lakers. I mean, that's what everybody's really just salivating over. There is another matchup: the the Spurs taking on the Grizzlies. Uh, by the way, those matchups will both be on ESPN. Mm. On Wednesday, but the Golden State Lakers matchup is the one everybody's just absolutely ready to just lose their minds over, Sarah. Yeah, this is something we saw ourselves slowly creeping toward. And there was a shot that the Lakers could really play well and the Blazers could struggle down the stretch and they could work their way out of the play. And we didn't get that. And again, to your point, listen, if the Lakers or Warriors... Um, whichever team loses this game still has a shot uh, to stay in the postseason, which would make for a very strange situation where, in theory, like the Lakers could beat the Warriors, they could win the winner of the 9-10, and then play the Lakers again later in the real postseason, thus seeing them twice after the regular season in, in essentially two series. Uh, very strange. But we will get all of these playing games on ESPN Radio, which means you won't be hearing from me or Fitz for quite some time after tonight. So soak it all up. <laughs> yeah, it's play um, in for them. It's take off it's, for it's us. They're take off games. That's for us. Are. And I appreciate that. I might hit up a couple Cubs games. I'm not going to lie. 
Um, speaking of these two teams, you know, part of the reason we've been so excited is because Steph Curry injected the regular season with a shot of excitement just again in the last game of the season goes off to make sure he ensures himself another scoring title. And Steve Kerr, you know, kind of hedged his way of speaking about just how good Steph has been, but, you know, sent home a message of like, even I'm amazed. Well, he's never been better. I can say that he's been great for a long time though. So it's hard to, hard to say he's at his best now because he's been like this for, for years. I think what's different this year is just the supporting cast is different. So um, just an incredible season. And, and that's, I'll just leave it at that. He's never been better than he is right now. It's weird how he uh, used the word different when he meant trash. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just go- I'm just joking. The Warriors are doing their best. But for real, though, he, he perfectly articulated without insulting anyone. What's been different this year is the, the supporting cast has been different. And by that, I mean no support at all, which is why we've marveled so much at what he's done. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, uh, you're listening to us on ESPN Radio. And look, that what you just learned is that Steve Kerr's married, right? Like, he didn't say, like, oh, my God, that's awful. He's like, that's yeah, – it's it's different. I, 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 I believe, it, I believe um, his dad was also a university professor who specialized in, like, ambassadorships or – right? He was, like, a connector uh-huh. in the Mideast and the Arab world trying to – and so, yeah, he also figured out how to perfectly word things that are very – very, very fragile. Well, and with that same mindset, you know, you mentioned earlier, there's a there's a shot, there is a path, there's a way if I was filling out my playoff bracket that I could have the Warriors and the Lakers play not just in a playoff game, a play-in game, but also meet each other in a full series. Maybe that's why LeBron is being so careful in what he says about what the Lakers need to do in facing the Warriors and Steph. You cannot replicate a game seven, especially, you know, with the first game, you know, and uh, I've always treated game ones like a fill out game, but obviously you don't have that, uh, you don't have that luxury in a play in game. So, you know, we just got to play to the best of our ability. We got to play Lakers basketball. We got to defend at a high rate. You know, we, we're, we're playing, in my, in my opinion, the MVP of our league this year and Steph. So, you know, we got to be, you know, prepared for everything that they have. They got championship DNA as well. You know, they've been there. You know, they know what it takes and what it feels like to be in pressure game. So, you know, we got to be ready for that opportunity and for that, uh, for that pressure. Fitz, I, uh, a lot of us were thinking this, but I thought Jason Concepcion nailed it at Network. Uh, LeBron hiding the bulletin board material, the pins, and the board. Right? Like, <laughs> let me just get out ahead of this and tell you, I think Steph Curry's the MVP this year. I'm not going to give him a single reason whatsoever to want to torch me in this playing game. Guys, I'm just honored we get to play against the best player and the best coach and the best team. Anything it takes. Uh, there is a, I think what he said at the very beginning, though, has some significance when he says you can't replicate a game seven because that's essentially what you're doing for the play-in game. Mm-hmm. It's funny to me, though, most of the other teams we've talked about don't necessarily have that game seven sort of mindset in the back of their repertoire to just pull out. You know, that's like so if you're true. playing for Charlotte, you're not sitting there saying, oh, all right, guys, we're just – we're here again. We know what it's like to be in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. These two teams do. So it is interesting how the play-in has it. Like, they have something to pull back on or draw back yeah. on, but I'm not sure you know, that it, it has the same hit. You know who else doesn't know what that feeling is like? Michael Jordan. Um, hmm. I just wanted you to be reminded of the fact that he never went to a Game 7 because he never lost, and no one ever pushed him to seven games when he won. Just in case you all forgot, it's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Did ESPN we not count Radio, the conference finals ESPN matchups app, that they lost? XM okay. Channel 80. Uh, we also watched the Clippers, by the way, uh, quickly. 
Uh, speaking of the Lakers, <laughs> I know we can get to all these conversations a little bit later when we've uh, when we've when we uh, address. Uh, the actual playoffs once the plan is done. We saw the Clippers manage to avoid the Lakers. And later in the show, we've got some sound from a couple folks on that and very strong opinions from people about uh, the Clippers deciding that suddenly they couldn't handle the Oklahoma City Thunder. And and, and uh, we'll get to that a little bit yeah. later. By the way, NBA plan tournaments on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night as the Pacers host the Hornets, followed by Wizards at Celtics, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. All right, we're, we're going to keep diving into the NBA over the course of the night. But up next, so much more going on outside the NBA play-in tournament. We'll get to all of it from a crazy chaotic weekend next, the way only weekend. Quickies! We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Down to Kylie Shooks, four seconds left. Ionescu, a long three for the win, and she gets it! That's a yes network on the call, and oh my God, that's just a small portion of a chaotic weekend across all of the sports landscape. We knew, we knew that the WNBA was going to come in hot. We didn't, uh, never could have imagined it would come in that hot. There's so much to get to. We're going to do it the way only we can. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Let's get to some quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. Nothing subtle about what we do. We're brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. And Sarah, let's start there. The WNBA had a huge weekend. We just heard Sabrina with the incredible game-winning shot. A reminder just of the moment that we've been missing. We've waited for her to get her shot to come in to the WNBA. And then she does that with the game winner, game on the line. Massive moment for her, massive moment for the WNBA. And just one of those like jump up and down, hell yeah, we're back, let's get going moments. 100%. We start with Cheney and Company's movie 144 on Thursday, and then Friday we get the games to kick things off. The very first game of the season, Liberty Fever at their new home. And you're right, it's 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 one of those things that's a little too storybook for us to, to miss her for basically 10 months after she got injured, just three contests into a rookie campaign, and for her to come back 25 points, 11 of 6, 6 boards, and the game winner with 0.4 seconds left. Um, just just incredible stuff. And then that's, you know, young little baby goat trying to make her name in a league after taking some time off. And on the other side, we got, you know, old people can dream too with Diana Taurasi, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the line from 144 that all the old heads like myself took away. Like, yeah, we should, yeah, we can dream too, us old people. Um, but she came in 17 years into her WNBA career and hits uh, a three with uh, just over a minute, le- uh, just over a second left, and a very strange ending to that game uh, that Phoenix won over the Lynx. But no matter, it counted, as they say. Hashtag count it, 25th season. Uh, so you got those two. And then, selfishly, uh, the game of the weekend for me, of course, completely unbiased, was the Chicago Sky uh, mm. winning their opener and doing so behind just a resplendent Candace Parker. And it was fun to be on WNBA Twitter during the game. The number of Chicago fans were just like, 
Pro tip, it's really fun having Candace Parker on your team. Like, And it is. 16 points, 8 boards, 4 assists, 3 blocks. The offense was flowing. The speed was there. Um, you know, the all-time assist, you know, queen in Courtney Vandersloot is going to love playing with Candace Parker because she had them moving and coaching on the court. Uh, it was it was a whole lot of fun. They beat the Mystics pretty handily without Elena Deladon. So uh, that's a different team when EDD is back, but... Fun start, man. Yeah, a couple of things, though. You know, when you mentioned Sabrina to Diana in that process, right, it really hit me of the 25th anniversary season that is so much about the youth coming into the league, but also the women that have gotten the league to where it is right now. I felt like it was a really fitting moment to have all of that come together in week one. Uh, But I will say, conversely, every game means more because we have a wager right now that involves I'm Mm going to have to spend money. And all of a sudden, the Vegas Aces came out and did not look particularly good in (laughs) game one. So I was watching thinking, man, you know, I should have been careful about this. I I, I let my mouth run and uh, we do have a bet going on which team will have the better regular season so far. uh, Your Chicago Sky undefeated my Vegas Aces. Uh, still waiting eagerly for that first opportunity to get a win. Let's go to the next story from this weekend. Quickies. Oh, just the way he says that. It's just <laughs> so cool. All right. The Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, playoffs are for something you and I are usually super into. I'll be honest. It's been tough this year for me to have a lot of equity in my brain uh, around all things NHL. But I have. Are you ready for this? Because the Preds play tonight. And as everybody knows, lifelong diehard Preds fan, lifelong diehard Vegas fan now, man? I don't know. I'm hedging my bet. But the, <laughs> there, there is a stat here that says everything you need to know about tonight's game and why the entire series, if the Preds win tonight, or lose tonight, I should say, they're done. They have no chance. They will not win the series if they lose tonight. And I can say that with confidence because our glorious stats and info group has let me know the Preds 0-10 in best of seven series when they lose game one. Only the Coyotes have more season losses without a win in that uh, series losses without a win in that scenario. They're 0-13. So 0-10. If the Preds lose tonight, series is done. I'll tell you, one of my favorite things about being a Blackhawks fan during that stretch when they won three Stanley Cups in seven or eight years was uh, if they got into a deep OT game, like multiple OTs, they won almost every single one. And I remember proclaiming that once, and then a stats guy from the local sports station here in Chicago backed it up by sending me the statistics that they were almost, like almost every time they went into deep games like that, they would win. So it made it nerve-wracking, but a lot of fun. Uh, This has been an incredibly nerve-wracking start to the NHL playoffs. First of all, there's the fact that there is a division still finishing their regular season while the playoffs have started. So keep that in (laughs) mind as you're reminded of what a weird year it is. But our own Emily Kaplan uh, tweeted this out. Through the first two days of the Stanley Cup playoffs, Road teams were three and one. The total time the teams were tied was 199 minutes and 13 seconds. There were six lead changes over the course of those games, three overtime games, and teams never held more than a one goal lead. That was more. That was before even half the series had started. So an unbelievable to already have three OT games and Stanley Cup playoffs. They're tough to beat, even when you can't be equitable, as you would say, with your time or your bandwidth for them. They're worth uh, squeezing out a couple inches of your brain. Yeah, and I'm still sort of completely lost in this season on how any of us can predict anything. Uh, one other thing, uh, next, we'll go to our next door here. Quickies. And that would come down to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And Sarah, I always think, you know, for me as a, a huge Kobe fan uh, for so many years, the Hall of Fame presentations in general were going to have sort of a level of heaviness to them. I expected that. But one thing that really hit me watching it, and we've talked so much about game gets game and, and equity in the WNBA on this show over the course of the last uh, year, but... 
I, I watched it and I thought about sort of that that moment and how the the respect and the fact that it is the Basketball Hall of Fame has become so universal. And it, it was amazing to see. It didn't matter whether it was a man or a woman at the podium. You saw the greatness for what they brought to the game. And it felt like it was a really fluid situation in all the right ways. So it really hit me how powerful it was. And always, of course, powerful to see anything about Kobe, given how, you know, how much his loss obviously was something that, that was hard for me. Yeah. Mike Wilbon was on ESPN Daily today with Pablo Torre and shout out to Mike Wilbon in his honor. But it's a fascinating episode. He had a lot of good behind the scenes. One of the things he mentioned was the idea that seeing Michael Jordan up on stage with Kobe's widow might be one of the only times that Michael Jordan has been on stage anywhere in life and not been the focus. Right. Mm. One of the few times that not all eyes were on him because there was so much attention given to this very vulnerable moment where Vanessa Bryant shared, you know, Kobe's dreams and his fulfillment of them. That really stood out to me. Also, just listen to that episode because Wilbon goes off about basically people aren't even watching the blanking game. They're doing this. They're tweeting. They're IG and they're TikToking. They want to talk exit velocity. They can't tell me what even happened in the bleeping game. Uh, it's a very old man get off my lawn rant, but parts of it I actually agreed with. And his stories from behind the scenes of him he was actually uh, a couple hours from being with President Obama and Michael Jordan when he got the news he was going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, so some good stories in that one and good notes from just an incredible weekend. And some of our faves were honored. Will Bond and Tamika Catchings and Charles Barkley, my guy. So uh, really fun to watch. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, uh, Wilbon can be old man, get off my lawn all day long because oh, yeah. he's just such a legend. And what he says is so perfect. <laughs> it, it just resonates. Uh, but we got to get in one more story here. Quickies. Sarah, it was not oh, it was not the intro you wanted, but congratulations. Mm. The NWSL season, regular season is underway. You are officially a team owner. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, speaking of fun to watch, this wasn't. Uh, we lost. We got our butts beat. Our our best player in Julie Ertz has been injured. I'm not sure yet what the uh, what the long term prognosis prognosis is for her. So we're crossing our fingers and toes on that that she'll be okay. Um, but I will say we had a watch party here in Chicago. It was the first time watching sports in a bar in a year plus. A lot of people showed up. You showed up in the form of buying a round of drinks from afar, which was so nice of you. And it is a little different watching your team get their butts beat when you're part owner, when you yeah. are not only financially invested, but everybody at that bar is there because you invited them and told them, hey, this is my team, guys. Let's watch them. This is so exciting. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so uh, started from the bottom. Now we can go up from there is, I think, what I'm going with. Uh, real season starts at home this weekend. Look at that. All right, coming up, we'll be joined by one of the newest members of the Basketball Hall of Fame. You don't want to miss it. It's next, Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Basketball chose me, an awkward, lanky, introverted tomboy born with a hearing disability, a speech impediment, and a will to overcome obstacles, dream big, and to change the world. A moment. A moment that stood out of an incredible weekend of Hall of Fame inductions. Tamika Catchings there at Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And joining us now is that Hall of Famer, Tamika Catchings. And if you didn't watch this weekend and if you've been living under a rock, I don't know how you couldn't be aware. But if you're not aware of the greatness of this basketball player, Go check out the Wikipedia page. You can't fit it all on one screen. It's a WNBA champ, a finals MVP, an MVP, a 10-time All-Star, a five-time defensive player of the year. She was rookie of the year, top 15 all-time team. It goes on and on. 
and on. She's won everything. She's done everything. And Tamika, I was just so excited to see the world of basketball come together to honor you. Tell us about the emotions at the ceremony this weekend. Oh, my goodness. I'm still there, in a sense. (laughs) I'm still trying to come down out of the clouds. But what an amazing experience. You know, I think for me, just being able to have my family there um, started like us leaving Indianapolis with some of my families and landing, you know, in Hartford and meeting some more of my family and then getting to the Egan Sun and more of my family coming. Uh, So just being able to share the moment with them. And then, of course, as some of the other players, my father played in the NBA for 11 years. So it was really cool just seeing him interact with a lot of the guys that he either played with or against. And, you know, some are in the Hall of Fame, some will hopefully down the road be in. But, I mean, what an amazing time of just family time, for one. But, two, walking across that stage, I was so nervous on Saturday <laughs> when I woke up. I'm like, okay, Friday was like the chill day. You know, I had to do interviews and all that. But we just had to – Friday we, we got our jackets and we got our rings. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm down for that. I don't have to speak. All I, do, <laughs> all I got to do is get up. They put the jacket on you or put the ring on you. Like, it's all good. But uh, Saturday when I woke up and having to get ready – uh, for that night, I mean, just, <sighs> I, I, I'm pinching myself every day, like, this really happened. It really happened. It really did happen. It's amazing. <laughs> when you talk to somebody that's accomplished what you accomplished, Tamika, it's impossible to have, like, that one moment, I know. But as you go through the process of being a Hall of Famer and you look back on it, was there a particular game or a particular moment in your career that stood out to you as you were going through this moment and, and living the Hall of Fame life? Hmm. You know, Jason, not really. Uh, not one moment. You know, I think it's hard to sum up all the success and all the things that we've been able to accomplish in one moment. I mean, they're just, I know I talked about this uh, on Saturday, but just so many people that have impacted me, have impacted my life, have impacted, you know, my basketball life. And I would say probably one of the, the ones that really changed my life was Pat, you know, Coach Summit and she showed me how, like, every single day she challenged us to be better. And, you know, her model, even though she didn't say it, but her model really was, like, if you're going to be here, you might as well be here all here and go 100%. And, you know, I think that's just naturally the way that I play and that the type of person that I am is, like, 100% all day. Like, ah, you know, that that is me. I am the morning person that, like, just loves the energy and excitement. But I think Pat taught me how to, hone it in a little bit and really just being able to focus and coming out four years later, you know, a better defensive player, a better all-around player. And uh, that really launched me into my professional career. We're talking to Tamika Catchings here on Spain and Fitz, not only a Hall of Fame basketball player, but now GM of the Indiana Fever of the WNBA, owner of tea cafes in Indianapolis that people love. Um, I actually loved the story, Tamika, that I read on ESPN.com. Uh, that you did with Dan Hajucki. Uh, I, I don't think I said his name right, um, but Dan did a fantastic job on that story. And even as someone who got her butt beat by you in high school and has followed your career ever since, there was so much in there that I didn't know. Um, tell me what it meant to hear from someone who said, you know, that, that you were such a role model because he saw you wearing hearing aids to play and thought, okay, my hearing impairments aren't going to stop me from doing things. You know, I think it's amazing. And, you know, Dan and I, we had, we had a great time just talking. You know, I mean, there's some interviews you do, and it's like you're just constantly, like, you know, answering questions. It's a great conversation, but I think for him and I, I mean, we just, we have so much in common. And, you know, one of the things when Pat, Pat was the one that got me back in the way, my hearing aids. I literally threw my hearing aids out when I was in second grade. 
went from second grade all the way to my freshman year in college before getting back into wearing them, getting back into speech therapy. And I remember when Pat was talking to me, she said, you know, one day your story will impact thousands, maybe millions of people. And at that point, I looked at Pat, I'm like, this lady is crazy because I don't talk to people. I definitely don't do, like, interviews or speaking engagements. So I never saw it, but Pat spoke it into my life and spoke it into existence. And now you fast forward to hearing stories from Dan, and I do a lot of work here in Indiana, or in Indianapolis with Here Indiana, that's where I get my hearing aids from, and they focus predominantly on youth, probably 99%, 99.5% on kids, but somehow I managed to be in that 0.5%, and, you know, it's really just been a blessing to share my story with so many kids and their families, and just a lot of encouragement to parents, because, you know, my mom, my mom and dad, you know, two out of the three kids that my mom and dad had, my older brother and myself were born with hearing disabilities. And so really just being kind of like a, a positive role model, a positive reminder, like just because you're born with a hearing disability doesn't mean that your life is over. If anything, it gives, you know, I call it my superpower now, but I think now I'm a role model for kids, which I, don't, I didn't grow up having a role model, having somebody that I could aspire to be like that had a hearing disability. You're listening to Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to, talking to basketball Hall of Famer Tamika Catching. So, uh, you know, one of the interesting things you've mentioned a couple of times, Pat, Pat Summit, and I was talking to Sarah earlier today about the fact that I lived in Nashville at the time when those teams were just sort of such rock stars. I've always wondered if mm-hmm. you guys felt that in the moment because it, it transcended anything beyond Knoxville or Nashville. Like the whole state came together around Pat Summit and around those Vol teams. What was that experience like for you guys in that bubble with her? Well, yeah, she was the rock star. We were kind of <laughs> like the show, but she was she was the main event, and then and then the others, you know. But I don't take. I, I mean, just being around Pat and um, being in her presence, and just being in her. I mean, she was great. You know, humble, her her humility, her humility, and just who she was and what she represented. You know, one of the main reasons I chose to go to Tennessee is because I wanted to play for the best coach. I wanted to play alongside some of the best players, and I wanted to play against some of the best players. I knew when going to Tennessee and going and being a part of the Lady Ball family that Pat's schedule was always the best schedule. You know, she put together one that, like, you went through that gauntlet of games and just her preparation and making sure you were prepared by the time you got to, to the tournament. Um, I wanted that. I wanted to experience the championship. I wanted to experience what it would be to be coached by someone like her, someone that demanded excellence in every single possession, not not every single day, but every single possession. And um, it was just great just to be be a part of those teams and, you know, just a lot of memories. It's clear that it worked. When you retired, you were first all-time in WNBA career playoff scoring, career playoff rebounds, second in all-time regular season rebounds, second in all-time career regular season scoring, first in career steals, first in career steals per game out. I mean, it just goes on and on, Tamika. It's it's staggering your greatness in this game, and I'm sure people are, are, are super enthusiastic that you're sticking around in the GM position to continue giving back to the WNBA, a league you really helped put a face on. Um, before we let you go, I have to ask your reaction to the 25th season weekend tip-off. We had some game winners from an old legend and a new legend. We, I mean, this was a great way to get it uh, get it all started. Yeah, it was. And unfortunately, from the new legend, Sabrina Unescu, that was yeah. against my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team. We didn't need so, to mention I, that. I'm not really celebrating that, that show. Like, that actually <laughs> broke my heart a little bit, and I did let her know when I saw her on Saturday. But, um, 
But, yeah, I mean, I think it's great for the league. We're just thinking back to last summer being in the wobble and people just being excited for basketball to come back, the NBA, the WNBA, and all the other sports leagues that came. That kind of propelled into the NCAA and, you know, the women from the women's side, I just feel like our tournament was amazing this last two years, or not last year, but this year and then the year prior to the COVID year. Um, but you just see the women's game take it off. And now to celebrate 25 years, the silver anniversary for the WNBA, a lot of great players. We still have 12 teams, up to 144 players, and I think it's going to be a great year. My team, we're kind of struggling right now. We're 0-2. We, we lost both of our games to New York. After Sabrina hit that game winner, but uh, I'm, I'm excited about this season. I think it's going to be a great year for the WNBA overall. Well, good luck to your fever. Whenever they're not playing my Chicago Sky or I guess Vince's Aces. <laughs> yeah, my Aces. Don't, don't, don't uh, crush my Aces. Okay. All right. I mean, you guys um, are taking out. I mean, there's only 12 teams. You might I know, have taken right? away two of them. I mean, you, come know, on now. Might, you might need some of those Ws. Um, Tamika, congrats on a fantastic weekend and a huge honor. And we would loved watching you share your memories of Kobe and your memories of your time coming up in the game. Uh, it was truly well-deserved. We look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Thanks, Jason. I'm so proud of myself. That's the first time I've ever interviewed her, and I haven't brought up the fact that I blocked her at the free throw line and took it back for a layup in high school once. Um, always, I mean, I did I, just I bring, bring it up, it up now, but I didn't bring it up to her this time. So it counts. Uh, Hall of Famer, Tamika Ketchings on the Goodyear Hotline. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer gives you multiple quote options so you can pick what's right for you. See for yourself at Progressive.com. And you know she's a Hall of Famer because she re- like doesn't then follow it up with, what about every other time I did something amazing and you couldn't stop me? Which is nice of her because uh, that's really all I got is that one block. Uh, coming up, the champs are plugging into the machine to jumpstart their season. How big an impact can he have? We'll explain next, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. There was a lot going on this weekend, and this week the playing games start for the NBA. The NHL playoffs continue. There's just a whole lot going on in the sports world, uh, and that includes two pretty historic promotions for folks. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. And if you listen to the show regularly, you know we have a segment called Game Changers where we invite on women who are working in predominantly male industries or taking on jobs that have predominantly been held by men in the past to talk about some of the barriers that they beat out, uh, some of the people that helped them along the way, and just to share a bit about the jobs that they're doing. And we have uh, our very first ever Game Changers guest, Kelly Klein, making news today as the Denver Broncos have added her to their front office. Uh, The executive director of football ops and special advisor to GM George Patton, Uh, She's just 30 years old, believed now to be the highest ranking female scouting executive ever with an NFL team. She'd been with the Vikings and the Broncos have hired her away to this position and fits. I went back to listen to the interview that I did with her uh, back in 2019 when she was working with the Vikings. And I loved this answer, which was sort of how she happened in to starting to work in scouting at the Vikings. Yeah, when I came in, I mean, the only female in this whole department um, was our GM's assistant, and she had been here for many years. Um, but they had never, you know, hired a female to be in the scouting internship role or in the assistant role or anything. Um, so they had needed help before the draft because the intern had quit. So they asked me to help out, and I think um, they might have even been reluctant a little bit to hire a female just because they hadn't done it. And there were no other females, you know, in 
higher personnel roles within teams, um, necessarily, you know, a scout or a, uh, you know, pro scout, college scout, any of that. Um, so, yeah, so I think it was, I didn't have any, yeah, like I didn't have any female scouts to look up to or anything like that, which is why I hope, you know, more and more women will get into this role and it'll keep growing. And that's what we've seen, Fitz, right? A couple women get into it. Uh, you know, Sam Rappaport starts the women in football forum to get more and more women invested and find vetted candidates. And now these hires aren't nearly as big a news as they used to be. Yeah. And I think that's the crazy part about it is like we are seeing change. And, and that's one thing that we talked about so much is, you know, what affects what what creates change in the way people are hired, especially in the NFL where diversity and gender has been an issue. Right. And it feels like these are the moments you can look at and say, OK, we're coming off a year where the Buccaneers did historic things with the staff that was more diverse than any other in history. Will it have trickle down effect? Well, I think all of this is starting to have trickle down effect because it's not as stunning a statement whenever this happens. Yeah. To your point, we talked when I talked to her a couple of years ago, she started as a PR intern with the Vikings and then became an administration intern to get into scouting and then a scouting assistant, then a college scouting coordinator, then a manager of player personnel, college scout. So she just worked her way up and getting your foot in the door and, you know, showing an affinity for this stuff is what it takes. And uh, just a huge congrats to Kelly Klein for that news. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Also, Leah Hextall has been hired by ESPN to do play-by-play and other roles for their uh, new national uh, NHL TV package. Uh, she'd been broadcasting hockey for 17 years, and last year was the first woman in Canada called play-by-play for a national NHL broadcast, but will be taking over in a groundbreaking historic way here in the States with this role in the NHL. Uh, very exciting fits to just see these things happening all over the place in sports. And uh, as we said, just not nearly as much news. I just remember back when um, the, you know, I'm forgetting her name right now. Catherine uh, Smith, I think the quality control coach for the bills who had worked for Rex Ryan for 14 years or something like that at the jets and gets the job as a quality control coach. And it was just all over sports radio debating whether she was qualified, even though I could bet you that most of the people didn't know what a quality control coach did <laughs> and didn't know that she'd been working for the team for 14 years. It was just this shock of hearing that a woman had been hired to do anything in coaching and football. And now we know that that's so much less of a big deal, which is fantastic. Um, also, some big news in baseball today. And I saw this over the weekend. I kind of did a, huh? Uh, and now I was wondering where are they going to put him, when are they going to play him, and I guess the answer is first base and batting cleanup tonight. It's Albert Pujols joining the Dodgers. This uh, was a surprise, Fitz. You know, I know they're struggling with injuries. I know they've hit this wall and they need to find some way to get out of it, but uh, strange because Pujols wanted out uh, in part because he wanted to be a regular everyday first baseman for the Angels. They didn't have room for him. The Dodgers sure don't have room. And this is the team that can't afford to use a roster spot on someone who's not really going to produce, especially with the injuries they have. They need as many people as possible, especially in modern baseball with all the different relievers you need to carry. So strange contract, even though they're getting him for basically nothing because the Angels have to own that contract. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a depth move here. And you mentioned the injuries. I think part of this, watch me break this down. 
So Max Muncy, <laughs> the first baseman, can go over to second base, which could be important because that means having Lux can stub him for their shortstop injuries, where they can then put Pujols in at first base a little bit, and all of a sudden, bam, they got it all figured out. It's a but, but this is a stopgap signing in my mind. Like it doesn't yeah. make a ton of sense long term. I just wanted to show that you know I read a couple yeah, you articles nailed it. about baseball. Yeah, That's you all. read you, you just, read just, that just, off the internet perfectly. Thank that you so is much. Correct. Thank you so much. I feel really. I'd like to thank you know my life coach and my reading coach. Coaches and, and you know God, everybody really for this. Wow, they all have, they really all played special. a part in your ability to read. <laughs> um, yeah, he um, they they also thought maybe he would be a help against lefties, but he hasn't been great. It's been limited in terms of sample size this year, but we will see what it means to switch up his location and attitude. This could be a situation like we've seen plenty of times in the past where a guy needs that kind of jolt of yeah, you're not a starter anymore to accept that and then figure out how to contribute in a different role. So we'll see if that happens. Pujols. Dodgers debut tonight. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Other baseball news, a little bit close to home for me, but I wanted to mention it because Anthony Rizzo had some great sound today uh, as John Lester and Kyle Schwarber as well come back to Wrigley, now on the Nationals. Uh, Lester, who helped Anthony Rizzo through cancer early on uh, as a kid and became a great teammate of his. Here's what Anthony said today. Well, it started when I was 18 and uh, diagnosed with cancer and him just giving me the advice and uh, the challenge to to rise above the challenge and help me through that time. Um, and then everything he just did about winning and, and his generosity and, you know, I feel like everything he did here was just, you know, he kept that old school mentality and he just treated everyone to everything. I mean, he's the most generous person I've ever played with. And uh, it's just, I'm sure they'll be hearing the stories because we'll be together in 10, 15 years hanging out. So the kids will get to hear those stories too. Uh, he was just beloved here, considered perhaps one of the greatest free agent signings in the history of Chicago sports, helped him to a World Series. Uh, they didn't offer him much in the way of a new contract. Uh, he wanted to stick around, and the front office for the Cubs had decided this time here was over. So sort of a bittersweet ending, and he comes back now. And I and as the game is starting here, I guarantee you that you know just before this, uh, it was an unbelievable response from the 20% crowd allowed at Wrigley. Also, Sarah, you could even hear the emotion and authenticity in his voice as he talked about it. Like, those are the really Rizzo, cool yeah. moments that, you know, you, as, as you hear the conversations going on, you realize that some things are bigger than just the sports on the field, and it's about the impact and everything else that's happening off the field. Yeah, and their bond is a special beyond both beating cancer. They both were drafted by the Red Sox. Um, you know, this is this is a, a pair of guys that I think, like he mentioned, we're going to be together swapping stories for the rest of our lives. and. Very special and very strange to see Lester in this in this uniform here at Wrigley. Coming up, we're going to bring in a former NBA coach to answer our biggest questions about this week's play-in tournament. Who are his favorites? Coming up next, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. After a year that took the NBA to the bubble, a short turnaround, and now a full season, we're finally at the play-in tournament and the NBA playoffs, which means there's a lot to break down. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Don't forget the play-in tournament games and the NBA playoffs 
can be heard right here on ESPN Radio. Hornets, Pacers tomorrow night, 6 Eastern. Wizards, Celtics will immediately follow that. And then Wednesday night, Spurs, Grizzlies, that's at 7 and Eastern. And then Warriors, Lakers immediately follow that. So for the next couple of nights while they're playing in, Sarah and I are going to take off some time. So that means we're going to get you all the expertise tonight that you could possibly need. And we'll start with some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless from the Goodyear Hotline. We're joined by ESPN NBA analyst, former NBA head coach David Fisdale. Coach, thanks for the time. We've been talking a lot tonight about the play-in tournament in general, but for teams like Le- you know the Lakers and the Warriors, LeBron and Steph, that have so much finals experience, does any of that parlay into a one-game play-in sort of atmosphere? Absolutely. I think that those guys have deep, deep experience in, in uh, uh, win-or-go-home situations. Um, you know, especially LeBron. He's been in some 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 really, really uh, tough series, and it came down to the last game. And so I think, you know, he really understands that urgency uh, that comes with it. And then just going through the whole run of being a champion, uh, you can't help but to have the skill that it takes uh, to, to, to really buckle down and compete for for one win. Coach Fisdale, I know you probably try to separate yourself from watching games like a head coach, just relax a little bit. But what was going through your mind in sort of garbage minutes when LeBron tweaked his ankle again as a coach? (laughs) I think I was on both sides. I was just like, no, (laughs) please, this can't be happening right now. I think, you know, I know Vogel, uh, obviously, you know, a lot of their hopes obviously rise on LeBron, but – uh, the guy is, is very hard to hurt. I know he's been hurt recently, but uh, I just know that it would take a lot for him to be out. And, uh, yeah, my heart dropped like everyone else's as a coach and as a fan. So, Coach, if you're watching this Lakers team, if they don't have 100% of LeBron, how far can they go? I think they'll get eliminated, uh, and it can happen fast, you know, because where they sit in the standings. Uh, they're going to go right into a series with the best in the West. And so uh, if LeBron is not a full goal or can't go at all, uh, I think it's going to be an early exit uh, for the Lakers just because the teams out West, uh, they're just too good. They're too well coached. They're uh, so talented. They're extremely deep, uh, and they can beat you in a lot of ways. And so to have such a big piece of what you do, uh, you know, not not available to you, that would be very difficult for them to move through the West. Former NBA head coach, now ESPN NBA analyst, David Fisdale with us here on Spain and Fitz. Coach, you're looking at the top of that West, and these are the teams that had the pleasure of playing well all year and then ending up probably facing the Lakers early on. Uh, Jazz, Suns, uh, those two teams in particular, just one win separates their regular season performance. Both have been super solid. Utah may be a little more expected. The Suns taking a big leap under Monty Williams. But um, what do you see from those two in terms of longevity in the postseason? Are you giving one a lot better chance to go deeper? Yeah, you know, it's tough because I think both teams, uh, you know, it, a lot of it is going to depend, obviously, on that guy in L.A., uh, because why I say that is because LeBron is the position that really, really disrupts those teams. If you look at their rosters, they don't necessarily have the multiple Swiss Army knife type players that you want switching on to LeBron constantly, uh, who you want constantly matching up with him from a size standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint. So a lot of that is going to have to, you know, weigh heavily on his health. 
I think uh, the Clippers is another team who brings a lot of that to the table that could give those teams issues uh, in the playoffs. So just depending on when they hit uh, could be a, a very telling story. But with that being said, you are talking about uh, – I am I mean, you can say coach of the year for either guy, and I think it'll be – you won't get an argument out of many people. Uh, other than Coach Tibbs out east, who I think – who was my coach of the year, and I'm mm-hmm. probably a little biased because I'm rooting for those guys. But you're looking at two guys that's coach of the year. You're looking at uh, two very deep teams. Uh, I think that when you look at just – the, the, the young stars on the team, when you look at uh, the Donovan Mitchells and you look at the Devin Bookers, you're talking about dynamic, uh, multi-talented, multi-skilled guys that can beat you on any given night by themselves. Uh, so I think they can end up making a really good run, uh, if not all the way to the finals. Again, I think, you know, all of this stuff <laughs> rests on LeBron's shoulders on, on his health, but, I think if LeBron's healthy, it'll be still be very difficult to beat the Lakers. But I do think those teams have all of the other ingredients uh, to, to really move deep into the playoffs. We're talking to ESPN NBA analyst and former NBA head coach David Fisdale on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You mentioned the Clippers. So as a former coach, you saw what they did this weekend. They they tanked, right? They They intentionally lose a couple of games in the eyes of most. So what's your reaction to that strategy? Well, I mean, they feel like they, they got a better matchup with who they're getting. And, and I think, you know, sometimes you get what you ask for in a bad way. And sometimes you were right in what you were thinking and from a, from a matchup standpoint. Because let's just be realistic. At the end of the day, the NBA comes down to matchups. Uh, you know, when, the, when, when you talk about the best teams, you know, button heads and, and the route that you could possibly take to get to the finals, if you can manipulate that to a place that at least gives you on paper a better chance, I'm not necessarily knocking them, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, you know, people always talk about, oh, you're fighting for seeding. Well, okay, if you're fighting for seeding, don't you want the, the seeding that's going to give you the best chance to win? And I think sometimes people mix that up with the highest seed gives you the best chance, which is not right. always true. Um, and so I think, you, I think it's going to be – uh, something that we sit back and watch and play arms, you know, Monday morning quarterback on and, <laughs> and, 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 and watch how it plays out. But I think on paper, if if if, uh, if they see that they have an advantage and, and they think that this is going to give them the best chance to hold that trophy, then, you know, more power to them. Coach David Fisdale with us here on Spain and Fitz. We're almost out of time, Coach, so I want to quickly hit the East. You know, I think we're still at the point where if the Brooklyn Nets won it all, they'd be the first team ever with a rating on either offense or defense as low as theirs is. Um, are you are you willing to say this is the team that bucks that forever trend because the offense is just that great, or is there someone else in the East you prioritize over them? Well, I think if any team could do could do that, it'll be this Brooklyn team, just because I, I just have never seen, you know, one that kind of that kind of shooting, but just the kind of skill that those three guys bring to the table. And now you talk about all of these other guys, these little pieces that they've added in around them, uh, you know, really effective veterans and things like that. Um, If any team can do it, it will be them. Because the one thing about that kind of offense that they bring to the table is that offense travels. And it it, it goes to other arenas. And it, it takes over other fan bases. Uh, and so, you, you know, it's a, it's a very, very unique 
uh, situation that they have over there in a very unique year uh, to, to, to be trying to do this. And so, yeah, I think they could absolutely pull it off. Um, I think at the end of the day, the team that I think is now in the right spot to do what they need to do, because everybody's forgetting about them, is Milwaukee. I think they have a lot of toughness. I think they've, they've, they've answered a lot of bells to their roster and things that they needed. Um, you know, I, I love the adjustments Bud's made to their offense and posting Giannis more and putting him more on, on open sides and sometimes just in the slice with one guy in the, uh, spotting up in the corner and not just in the middle of the floor. So he's really moved him around and, and, and made it difficult to just lock in on one style of play with him. And so I think that's the team people better watch out for because they've suffered a lot over the last few years and they've gotten a lot of criticism and they've gone through a whole lot of the team. And I think they're just about ready to make that breakthrough. I'm telling you, Coach, every year I say it's going to be a Milwaukee and I'm wrong, and now you're giving me reason to pause <laughs> and think I should rethink it's it all. It's the Bucks and the Clippers. I'm like, oh, how but, many times but, am I going to get burned? But how about this? They get P.J. Tucker, and they got Holiday. Those I are know, two it's great different. additions. It's a different <laughs> team. Because now they, now they feel very comfortable playing Giannis at the five with P.J. Tucker at the four. So their small ball is a totally different thing now. Uh, because they got a guy who's just a bulldog and can guard anybody in the league, and he brings an intangible. He brings so many intangibles to winning. Uh, I think it just makes the team different. And, and Holiday is all star. He's a big time player. He's not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid of any guard he's facing. If you look back over the course of the last few times, all of those top teams have met. Milwaukee beat them down, and so you know, over the course of a few games. And so I just think that team, people are going to gonna forget about them a little bit. Um, and they could really, you know, they obviously got to get past their first-round opponent, who's a nightmare for them. But uh, they could really end up being the team that comes out of the East. Coach, we appreciate your time and your expertise, my friend. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Enjoy the playoffs. Thanks for having me, guys. Giving you the straight talk. Straight talk wireless. No contracts. No compromise. That's it. I'm busting back out my Bucks gear. I'm going all in on it. Okay. <laughs> Coming up, if you thought your weekend was bad, stick around. We got some stories that might make you feel a little bit better. You'll hear them next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And look, weekends are a delight. I love the weekend. You love the weekend. We all love the weekend. But for some, it's not always the best weekend. Sarah, we talked <laughs> earlier, Sarah, and as a as a owner now of an NWSL team, you had a, a bit of a rough weekend. You know, you you didn't get the start to the regular season that you had hoped as a team. And so, I'm here to try and offer a little bit of comfort. Right? This Thank is you. an opportunity to remind everybody that no matter how bad your weekend is, for some, good or by worse, it's nice to make yourself feel better by enjoying somebody else's sadness. You thought you had a bad weekend. Phil, there is a tiger in the bathroom. You ain't seen nothing yet. I better get out of here while the getting's good. It could have been worse on Spain and Fitz. Still not sure if a tiger in the bathroom means it's a great weekend or a terrible weekend. I'm not 100% sure. But we're going to show you just (laughs) tell you a little bit about some of the people that may have had a worse weekend than you did. And this one, Sarah, this blew my mind. And I feel so bad for the kid. Wontarius Bryant uh, was, he thought, 
contacted by the Falcons. He got a text from what he thought was Falcons defensive coordinator Dean Pease, and it was from the Atlanta area code. So he thought, hey, ready to go. And uh, he thought he was getting a, a text telling him to get down to Atlanta to try out for the team. So he went down to the city. He lives in, in Tennessee. He drove down to Atlanta. When he got to the facility, he was turned away. Turns out it was not an actual tryout. Somebody was essentially, I don't know, is this catfishing? Somebody was lying to him. Pranking, yeah. Pranking him to get him down there. It's a terrible situation. That's awful. I mean, that's, that. like, what kind of things must you have going on in your own life if your decision, you're, like, delighting in somebody else's big dreams being blown up? Yeah, and you think about what the the worst part and the hardest part, I should say, for so many of these kids is that they're realizing that their dream of playing in the NFL may be not coming true and that you've been playing football your whole life just to get this opportunity and now that opportunity may be gone. Like, it's already emotionally difficult. I think adding this roller coaster, like, there's a special place in hell for whoever did this, uh, and I don't know why you would do it. I just know that there's no reason to do that to a kid. There is a... There's a slightly happy coda to the story, though, that Hub Football, uh, which is a new path for players to get to the NFL, founded by veteran agent Don Yee, who I believe is Tom Brady's agent, right? Um, They invited him to a May 23rd event, and uh, he's going to have a chance to get to that event uh, with the Falcons and others. So hopefully he'll still, you know, do his best to put on a show and, and give himself a shot. Yeah, I can't imagine having to call your family and be like, hey, the call I made about the tryout, not happening. So bad weekend there. But no, showing up, I think, would be the worst. Like, hey, what's up, guys? Where do I go? For what? (laughs) Oh, you know, for the tryout that you guys wanted me to. Who are you? Yeah, we didn't call you. That wasn't us. Oh, the awkwardness. Like pointed out by a few people in a normal world, the Falcons could have just worked him out. But there are so many restrictions in COVID that they just can't do that. So. Uh, a terrible situation for him. We'll keep uh, making everybody feel better by, you know, lamenting in some other people's weekends. Next up, a little baseball action here. Atlanta Braves right-hander. Not lamenting, delighting. We're delighting, delighting in yeah, their bad probably. weekend. Lamenting We're would de- be we feel sad for them. We don't. We'd say it's yeah. schadenfreude the whole time. <laughs> All right, so Waskar Enoa was placed on the 10-day injured list Monday. By the way, I'm just proud I got through that name. With a fractured right hand suffered when he punched the dugout bench in Milwaukee on Oops, Sunday. Going to miss a couple of months. I feel like, mm. you know, th- this is one of those moments where a lot of people have done it. You get angry and you lash out, then you realize there are permanent or long-term consequences to that. that you just, it can't happen. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, that's for sure. And the embarrassment and also anger and frustration of that moment of losing your temper affecting your career and your your ability to play for months. Uh, there's something I think they call a boxer's fracture, and it very clearly comes from you're hitting an object with a closed fist. So a lot of people will try to claim. I remember back when Carlos Boozer had one for the Bulls. He said he tripped over a bag and fell. And everyone's like, cool, so you got that boxer's fracture from tripping over. Like, (laughs) And so this is one where everybody saw it, so we couldn't make up a story. But, yeah, what a terrible way to have to be out for several months for something as dumb as that. Yeah. Have you ever punched a wall or any, any... I sure haven't. No, I've I've accidentally injured myself like the aforementioned Blackhawks extra, 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 extra OTs where I jumped up to celebrate and banged my hand against something and suffered a pretty serious bruise. But uh, all accidental, as much of an attitude as I have always had, to be honest with you, used to have, as I've always had, and as bad of a temper and as bad of a loser as I am, the worst I would do is I would slap my own leg 
really hard when I was mad oh. at myself, and I would okay. leave like a handprint on it in the middle of like a game. But that's about it. I I never understand the people that punch their TVs. Like TVs aren't cheap. No, it's really uh, dumb. Right. Or throw something at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, who's got that sort of money to burn? No. Uh, all right. So let's get in a little bit of uh, other football action, as in soccer. And this one, Sarah, comes from Liverpool. Like, uh, interesting game finish here in Liverpool. Curled in right footed, Allison! Would you believe it? Allison, the goalkeeper, has saved Liverpool's season and their hopes of finishing in the top four. When you think you've seen it all in the Premier League, Allison scores a winning goal. Absolutely extraordinary. Okay, so first of all, I did not know this was a thing. I know in hockey, you can pull your keeper, your your goalie, um, when you have a man advantage and you throw someone out there and, and you know, it's the end of the game and you, and you got to get in there to the attack. But in soccer, you can't really go in and out like that. So what happened was there was stoppage time. There was just so little time left that they were like, what do we have to lose? Let's send our keeper all the way down to the end of the field where he kind of strolled into the box and then set himself up. Big, tall, strong guy ends up being in the exact right place for the game-winning header. First of all, you know he's good because he just goes by Allison, not his last name, Becker. And uh, this is from Roger Bennett, who's fantastic. Father died in a tragic accident at the end of February. Third child born this week and just scored the first goalie goal in the history of the team. Um, I've just, it's remarkable. I've never seen anything like it, Fitz. For the other fans, though, that's heartbreaking. Whenever you see, I've never seen anything like it, yeah. and then you realize the that that's how you're about to that. lose. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is that's the moment where you're like, wait, we just lost. How? Does that On ever happen? keeper header in stoppage time where he strolled into the box and put it away. That's when you just, you know what, you politely turn all of your devices off and say, you know what, today was not our day. It was just not heavily. meant to be. <laughs> uh, that probably already happened. All right, coming up, a former NBA assistant talks playoffs and her new opportunity in college hoops, Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on a Monday on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We've been talking a lot about uh, some promotions, job changes today in the world of sports, and we have another to talk about here as former Cleveland Cavs assistant coach and now USC women's head coach, Lindsay Gottlieb, joins us. Lindsay, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. Excited to join you, Sarah. Yeah, congrats on the new gig. I'm curious, you know, um, obviously a head coaching gig is a great opportunity, but was there any um, reticence to leave the pros, particularly as one of the few women that had reached the coaching ranks of the NBA? Yeah, I mean, reticence would be an understatement. Uh, those uh, <laughs> who are in my kind of circle here know it was, it was just gut wrenching. Um, I wasn't. I was loving what I was doing. I wasn't quite ready to leave. And at the same time, I think in my two years in the NBA, one thing that had occurred to me was, I think I want to be a head coach again before I go, you know, front office or I don't know something else in the game, right? So that was one thing that had that stuck with me. And I was in no rush to do that. Um, I, I didn't know exactly what level it would be at. I just, you know, know kind of a good job and a good opportunity when it comes along and. Um, you know, when USC sort of came after me, it was the the inherent things about the school um, have always been great, right? The location in LA is the hotbed of basketball right now, but the commitment to, you know, women's basketball, uh, helping the program get back to, you know, the, the heights of, of you know, the early 80s and the national championships was just something I felt like 
know, this isn't just any old job. Um, and so in some ways I feel sad that uh, to be leaving the NBA and, and, and one of the few women doing that, um, I think the league is continued to push forward and needs strong women to help push it forward. But I also felt like, you know, these young women I'm going to get to coach at USC is, is a huge impact I can have, and I'm, I'm hoping we can do something special. Coach, obviously by going to California, you've gone to a state that's part of the hotbed of name, image, likeness, and the conversation around it. What benefit in your mind can name, image, likeness have for the players you're coaching? So here's the, the other reason that I was kind of intrigued to go back now. You know, some people in college are like, oh, you know, are you sure you want to get back you know, into this, it's crazy right now, and you know, the players have control and they can transfer and name, image, likeness. And I'm like, yes, absolutely, that's how it should be. Um, and and I'm hopeful that you know I can be part of um, what college basketball and college athletics is going to look like in the future and what it should look like, where these young people get you know their kind of everything they can get out of the experience, not just the ability to make connections um, and reach the pros, but the ability to make money in the ways that they can. So absolutely, I want to be on the forefront of, you know, helping, you know, our young women in a smart way, you know, monetize their abilities and their popularity um, and guide them through that. I'm all about that. I think LA is the place to be for things like that. And and I do think, you know, the idea to have the opportunity to create something, not just, you know, a winning basketball team, that would be amazing, but a program that sort of, I think, helps to push forward the opportunities for, for student athletes at the college level. Lindsay Gottlieb, head coach at USC with us, formerly of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's interesting, I was going to ask you, how important is it to you to be a part of raising the percentage of college coaches of women's sports that are women, as we saw the influx of male coaches coming along with the increased you know, spotlight and money? Um, but it's hard because you left somewhere that also has a dearth of female coaches. So did that come into play <laughs> at all with your decision making? Definitely. I mean, I, I feel like I think, and my husband is really good about talking to me about, you know, what do you want your legacy to be and what do you want the greatest impact to be? Not just, you know, what do you want to be doing on a day-to-day basis tomorrow? Uh, and so that's where I was so torn as well. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of text messages from people in women's basketball who've said things like, you know, we're so happy, you know, to have you back in, in the women's game. And I've had, you know, a father say the impact, you know, you had on, on, on my daughter. And, and I think about the people you can impact going forward and at the same time, as I said, I, I do think the reach and the the platform of women in the NBA is great. So I'm always thinking about sort of where the where my biggest impact can be. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think what I'm really a believer now in is the synergy between games, the pro and college game, men and women. And if I can be one of those people that's kind of bridging that that those you know those gaps with my text messages when I got the job, where everyone from you know. Steve Kerr and, you know, <laughs> GMs in the league to the Go high ahead and name coach. drop them. It's um, okay. Or, we'll let you. I know. I just, <laughs> right, I just, it, but that's the interesting thing to me that there's, you know, there's NBA GMs and head coaches. And then there's the club coach, you know, from California that I've known for 15 years who, you know, coaches eighth graders, right? Like this idea that we're all just basketball people. And if I can be in a position to serve and a position to lead, um, it's it's pretty cool that the things I've learned from the NBA, I'm going to be car- be able to carry over to women's college basketball and you know maybe at some point someday you know I I do something else in the NBA and transition back like it's just I think this idea that we don't need to be put in a box as women is really really important something that we've really talked about on the show a lot this year was how much young talent there is in women's basketball particularly at the college level too how much how great these young women are that are playing the game you have so much experience around the game for so many years. How different is recruiting today than it was, let's say, 10 years ago in women's basketball? 
uh, it's really different because I think, you know, this idea of, of the WNBA and the ability to be um, a pro, um, it, it makes it really different. Now, I still have the conversation, you know, even in my time at Cal that, you know, my, my, my starting point guard at, at Cal, you know, was, was in the WNBA and, you know, making a starting salary of $48,000. And so you need the degree, you need connections, you need to learn how to leverage, you know, the opportunities you get at school. And I'm still going to have those conversations. But if now there's a time in which women can begin to make more money off their name, image, and likeness and off basketball and off the connections they can make through the game at a university like USC, um, I I think I'm going to try to harness the changes in it to help, you know, the people that I'm around. Um, In terms of, you know, recruiting, you know, I literally just made a, a clip tape, you know, of uh, of Darius Garland's pick and roll reads in, in transition to show, you know, <laughs> a, a player on the team because I just think, you know, hoopers are hoopers, right? So sometimes you pull from the W, sometimes you pull from the NBA. I think this idea that, um, you know, women now are, are so good that, that we can, you know, help them get better uh, by using, um, you know, the guidance of, of pro men or women is something I'm, I'm excited about, again, to help push the game forward as much as I can. Lindsay Gottlieb, new USC women's coach and former Cleveland Cavs coach with us here on Spain and Fitz. Uh, I want to get your take on the playoffs, but I have a quick question for you because you just mentioned it. And I know the answer is is going to overall be it's the same. But if you can dig deep and find any difference in the way that you approach coaching NBA versus college hoops, can you find one? Um, you know, again, hoopers are hoopers. But is there any way that you found yeah. was more effective with the guys than the gals? Ooh, that's a... That's a great question. I think the differences come in um, like the, the day-to-day structure and approach. So the biggest thing for me was, you know, when I'm coaching women's college basketball and we have a game on a Friday night, we, we, have, we have a lot more time with them in terms of prep time. So we're going to watch film on uh, Wednesday and we're going to watch film on Thursday. Not, not a ton, but, you know, pieces of it so that by Friday it's, it's a review of, you know, we've been talking about the, the opponent for three days. In the NBA, the first time you're talking about the opponent, is on, on shoot around day. So I had to learn to get the information to them quickly, you know, directly right. and, and, and not have three days to get to it. I would say those are the biggest differences, but um, you know, I, I've said this a number of times, the, the high level male athletes and female athletes want the same thing. They want you to know what you're talking about and really, you know, really know your stuff. They want you to be able to make them better and they want you to care about them as human beings. Those that's been reaffirmed for me, right? That that's, that's what really good coaching is making people better and, 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 and investing in them, you know, beyond basketball. But I, I would say that's it. I also think that the guys, like, I don't know, um, y- you know, things can get chippier on the court and it's it's forgotten in the locker room. So I'm going to try and, you know, make sure I kind of bring some of that where, hey, if we really truly are about, you know, each other, it can it can get competitive on the court and we let it go. It just stays on the court. So I would say that's something that I want to I want to bring back and kind of impart that a little bit more. Sarah mentioned, well, obviously, yeah, she ahead. wanted to ask you about the playoffs. I got to ask you, like, we've heard so many opinions on the play, and you were just uh, obviously with the Cavs. Yeah. Around the NBA players you're talking to, what is the opinion so far of the play-in tournament? So I definitely think it depends on where you're sitting in those standings, right, uh, as, it, as it should. <laughs> I love the concept, um, and, and here's why, right? You're talking about, you know, from where we were standing with the Cavs with, it, with a young team that is trying to build towards something. And so – you know, if, if you're not right there in, in terms of, you know, everyone said to me, maybe all oh, the playoffs are so different and, you know, wait till, you know, you ever get to experience what the playoffs is like. And uh, the idea that you can start to prep young guys for what meaningful games look like at the end of the season, even if you're in 11th and you're fighting for 10th, right. Or even if, you know, you get to, to ninth and you get eliminated, 
those are the those are the guys that a year or two down the road are going to be doing incredible things in the conference semifinals. And we just get, you know, an, an ability to help to help grow them and have those experiences earlier. And I think for the fans, um, you know, there are, there are really, really incredible fan bases around, around the NBA that are going to get to host a playoff game, you know, a play-in playoff game. And I think it's, it's good for the development of the league and the, you know, the excitement across the board. So uh, I'm a fan of it. Um, again, if I was, you know, if I was sitting in seventh or eighth one, one day, I might not – might not feel the same way with that chance to get eliminated, but um, I think overall it's, it's fun for the excitement of the, of the best league. It's the best league in the world. Um, and, and so more of it and more excitement. I mean, we're going to be watching the games uh, Wednesday night, like, you know, dug in and, and, and super pumped to do that. I'm sure a lot of fans are as well. Yeah. I think it's been absolutely great. I don't want anyone fired over it. I think it's working right the way they wanted. Uh, of course, we'll find out right. if that's the case if somehow LeBron's eliminated. Uh, Lindsay, thank you for the insight. Congrats on the new gig. Thanks so much, um, and, and hope to, to keep up with you guys and, and, and follow us as we as we try to do big things in the Pac-12. Thank you so For much, sure. New USC women's coach Lindsay Gottlieb with us here on Spain and Fitz, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, speaking of that whole what if LeBron gets eliminated, someone has a very strong opinion about how the play-in will be viewed if that somehow were to happen. We'll talk about it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Oh, Fitz, I'm glad I met you when I did. Although you'd have better stories for the show if you were still Fight Guy. <laughs> it yeah, would probably, you know what? That's probably true. And I, I don't know that I've had as much to drink as often as I did back then either, which may have contributed to Fight Guy. Oh, I you mean, think? I, I can't imagine anyone's <laughs> ever made that correlation before, heavy drinking notice, and being Fight Guy. I, I bet I most people answer. who get in fights are totally sober. I did not answer the question uh, I asked you about whether or not you've ever punched something and hurt your hand. So, you know, I'm I'm guessing you have. We go through stages, Sarah. Stages. Yeah, Yeah, well, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN (laughs) Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. People will be surprised to learn I've never gotten in a fight of any kind. Not even. My first fight. A one. My first fight with somebody that wasn't my brother was fifth grade, right? And this kid was like, we're going to meet on this little spot in the parking lot, and we're going to fight. And so I walk up, and all the kids are around like they were are. Were you and Jason and, and, you Fats, know, a, who plays the violin at this yeah, point? I'm, I'm okay. a portly kid, right? I walk He's out to this little cement area. <laughs> he walks up to me. And he's ready to go, and I just one punched him right in the face, <gasps> broke his nose, knocked a tooth, oh. like blood everywhere. And the uh, the the principal calls me in, and I get in all this trouble. And they're like, "Why would you punch him in the face?" And I'm like, "Because we're fighting. Like that's what <laughs> like my brother and I had a very violent relationship. I thought that's how you fought in elementary school. Oh. I, I got into a little bit of trouble, broke his nose though, didn't come back. What do you up think me. that kid thought you were gonna do this, the little dancing around thing, and then be like, yeah, wait till someone was, breaks he, it up? He thought like a shove was coming, not like a straight to the nose. I mean, there's right just like, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm a peacekeeper. I think it comes from being, you know, six feet tall when I was like 12. Any girl who came, I'd be like, I just, I don't, I'm going to hurt you. I don't need to do, I don't need that. You know, I, this is stupid. Um, always a peacekeeper. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and more at Progressive.com. By the way, tomorrow morning, 9, 10 Eastern on KJNZ, Chris Bosch, 2021 Hall of Fame class, 11-time NBA All-Star. Fascinating dude. That should be a great interview. 9, 10 Eastern tomorrow on KJNZ, also known as KJNZ, depending on how I feel 
on a given day. We started the show talking about the NBA play-in <laughs> tournament. It's going to take us off the air for the next couple days. Uh, well, you can listen to every single play-in tournament game right here on ESPN Radio. And uh, we're going to get into you know some thoughts that people have on, on just how great that worked out or not. But first, I wanted to acknowledge something that we're going to forget about by the time the Clippers are on the court for playoff action. And that is the royal job they did of tanking, just absolutely sucking against the Rockets and the Thunder to avoid the Lakers. And I like how Brian Windhorst found, uh, drilled down to the specific specifics of the statistics, easy for me to say, on game night on ESPN Radio for just how absurd this was. They had a guy who had taken um, 29 shots all year, take 22 shots tonight, an embarrassing tanking effort <laughs> to get away from the, the, the possibility of playing the Lakers. But them basically showing their hand to the Lakers that they were afraid to play them in the first round. And I don't know other, any other way to phrase it. And I hate that word. If I was in the Lakers, I would feel like I was already up 1-0 on them. Mm. It might help them win a title, but it didn't make me think positive of them at all. I mean, it's, he's not you, wrong, you right? Like it feels like when you see tanking, there's a moment where you suddenly think that it's out of fear. But there is also, as uh, Coach Fisdale pointed out with us earlier, a strategy to making sure you get yourself in the right situation coming in. And does that mean that you're scared of a certain team, or does that mean that you're just being smart while you get your rest? I mean, I, I can see both sides of the argument, but I, I I never feel great about a team tanking specifically to avoid a particular matchup like that. Just I don't care how like matchup karmically. oriented the league is. I mean, right. yeah, and. It's also you got Kawhi and Paul George. Like, are, what? What do you like? Why are you running from anybody? I, it, right. it, it, I guess, it seems I, weird to me. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I've got two kind of thoughts on this that are pushing against my my gut feeling of like, don't run away if you think you're a good team. You should, you know, you're gonna have to face up against anyone. One is that the entire play in tournament was made because of how common this is. Right. The reason we have a play in tournament is because of how often teams will try to maneuver near the end of seasons to decide who they're going to play or their lottery spot. So um, that kind of lets you know that they aren't alone. And the other is, I think this were almost any other team, no one would be criticizing them. I think if it were the Lakers or another team that has had success, people would say they're smart. It's because it's the Clippers, because of the lack of success in the postseason and because of the disappointment. I think if the Bucs did this, the criticism would be the same. The Bucs didn't. They went all out and beat the Heat and set themselves up for a repeat of last year against the team that bounced them. But I just think that that's a, a big part of it is the narrative around the Clippers and the disappointment and the stars that don't always show up. And, and that part of it, to me, makes me feel a little less critical. I feel like if other teams did this, we'd probably be like, hey, they're just smart. No, you're not wrong. And, you know, when you think about essentially the way we view certain things, the the, the perspective is always going to be based on totally. some of what's been done in the past. That you make before. a great point. Like, right. I think a dominant team would be playing chess in everybody's mind. Exactly. Uh, the other thing to think about as we are watching these play-in games and get excited about Lakers-Warriors and then whoever, you know, plays that loser to get in is what Myron Medcalf said on Sunday morning about how we will be viewing this play-in tournament differently and all the applause will go away if LeBron gets bounced. If somehow the Lakers get eliminated, they're going to announce before the first round of the playoffs that the play-in tournament is over. <laughs> Right. Adam Silver ain't messing around again with this situation if LeBron somehow gets eliminated. 
someone will get fired. I mean, what LeBron just said in that clip, that's really going to happen because they're not going to this. This idea does not work. If we get to the real playoffs, this is like the first four in college basketball. If we get to the real playoffs and LeBron James and the Lakers have been eliminated, this is not going to be a format that people support going forward. I mean, it would be tough to sell the league on it if that happened. It would be wholly unfair and people would be able to point to a team that was rife with injuries and just didn't have enough time to get it all together healthy. But it'd be tough to argue. I mean, this is what the league wants is for the Lakers to come out of this and go all the way to the finals so that not only do the Lakers continue to pull ratings, but also so that at the end of all of this, they can say for the rest of time, hey, we've had a team from the play-in tournament actually win the NBA championship with no context for that stat. Like, that's what the league wants without – but the opposite of it would be absolute – worst case scenario for the league if the Lakers suddenly find themselves out and then the Warriors get eliminated quickly. Oh, absolutely true. Because as much as that Warriors team has been flawed all season long and it's a one-man show, people sure enjoy that show. And they want it to be around for a little while longer. Uh, Yeah. Oof. It's going to be an exciting week of NBA action. You can listen to all of it right here on ESPN Radio. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up. They are actually talking to Meta World Peace. And also World Be Free. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.